Thank you, David. Good morning, everybody. You may have heard of Derek Redman. He was one of the great names as a sprinter in sports history. This was back in Barcelona in 92 in the Olympics. Derek launches out as a leader right at the beginning of the race, but then in the last leg of the race, he suddenly feels a pop in his right hamstring. And like he's been shot, he falls to the track. And then in a moment that will be remembered forever in the memory of millions, Derek Redman lifts himself up and begins hobbling forward on that track. He can hardly move until his dad, Jim, launches out of his stance and comes to the side of his son. That dad puts his arm around his son and says to him, I am here. We will finish together. And you know, that dad was the strength that his son needed in that moment. And suddenly, the 65,000 people looking on, they'd forgotten all about the other runners because now they're cheering and shouting for these two as this father and son cross the finish line together. And that is a picture of what we're here to talk about today for you that you can come alongside others and be that arm that strengthens them. And so if you haven't yet, would you go ahead and grab the outline that looks like this? It says prayer at the top. It's going to give you everything you need to follow along this morning. It's going to share all the scriptures with you that we'll be using. And we're going to talk about the difference that you can make in the journey of another person. In fact, let me tell you this. This is about the most powerful thing that a Christ follower can do for someone else, is to pray for them. You know, I want to pump you up today. I want you to recognize the power of God that flows through a person who will pray for others. We call this kind of praying intercessory prayer, but that word just means praying for somebody else. Now, many people want proof that prayer even makes a difference. So there have been lots of studies done on this. This one I'm going to share was in the medical venue. This one came out in 05 in a Reader's Digest. It was called New Proof Prayer Works. It was actually a reprint of a study done uh, with World News and World Report. Yeah, I said that weird. But anyway, I'm going to share with you just one paragraph from this article. It says this, research finds that patients who have been prayed for by others tend to recover with fewer complications than those who receive standard treatment without prayer. Their need for antibiotics is one-fifth that of other recovering patients. They are less likely to develop pulmonary swelling. It goes on to say they don't even know why. They just see results. And when you pray, I want you to hear me today, things happen. You know, there's a story about this in Mark chapter 9. I'm just going to share the story with you, where one day Jesus went off with three of his disciples, you know, Peter, James, and John, and he left behind the other nine, whose names we usually can't remember, you know, Bartholomew and James, the son of Alphaeus. And these guys, these nine, were just hanging out, you know, biding their time while Jesus was away. And while they were doing that, a crowd shows up, a huge crowd. And the crowd says, hey, these guys, they're some of Jesus' disciples. Maybe they can heal us like Jesus heals us. So they 
they come running up. They say, heal us, heal us. And one guy in that crowd has it really bad. He has a son, the Bible says, who is possessed by a demon. And this demon in the boy makes the boy convulse and throws him to the ground, smashes his head against rocks, and even sometimes throws him into the fire. So this dad is desperate. So this dad comes to those, to, to those guys and says, hey, start with us. Heal my boy. And so they tried, but the Bible doesn't say what they tried. It must have been a lot of stuff. must have spent a lot of time, but it didn't work. And the crowd begins to grow a little hostile. And about that time, Jesus shows up, and he says, what's going on? And the dad comes to Jesus and says, I tried to get help from your guys for my boy, but, it, but they couldn't help him. And Jesus gets a little exasperated. He looks at his disciples, and he said, oh, unbelieving generation, how long must I put up with you? And then the Bible says that Jesus prays for the boy. He rebukes that demon, and instantly the boy is healed. Now, the disciples try not to act surprised, you know, but when they get into a house out of earshot, they turn to Jesus, and they say, why couldn't we do that? I mean, we tried everything. You know, we sprinkled him, we anointed him with oil, we did our incantations, you know, we baptized him seven times. Why didn't it work? And Jesus gives an answer that is so important for us today. And he said this, this kind can come out only by prayer. Jesus is saying, apparently there are some things that happen only when we pray. He's saying, guys, you simply can't do this on your own. You must pray. Now, I don't know why God made it this way, but he did. And I can tell you story after story of situations where everything humanly possible was tried. You know, broken marriages, wayward kids, even sick animals. And the difference came when someone prayed. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, that's great. You know, I'd like to pray for somebody else. But to be honest, I'll leave that up to somebody else because I don't feel very accomplished at that. In fact, I don't even know where to begin. You know, I have heard people say that unless they were able to have the right words, that they would not even try to pray for somebody. I mean, like a spiritual giant kind of words, you know. And it reminds me of my friend whose little grandson came over to see the new kittens born at her house. Now, this was a little guy who was just learning how to talk. So he said, I hold the kitten. And she said, Kyle, it's kitten. I hold the kitten. And he says, I hold the kitten. She said, no, Kyle, it's kitten, kitten. Finally, Kyle goes, I hold the baby cat. Well, that may be like us in prayer, you know? We may not know how to say it. But does God care? How do we learn to pray? We learn to pray by praying. It's like one writer I read this week. He says, just like a plane is guided more easily when it's airborne than when it's sitting on the ground with its engines off, just like that, we learn to pray better when we're airborne in prayer than when we're not. So what's going to get us moving into prayer? What's going to get us out of the stands and into the action? You know, move us from spectator into participant so that we can come alongside someone who is limping. Well, I want to share with you four things today, four things that I have learned because I think if we'll do these things, 
we're going to discover we are equipped to come alongside others. And I'm using an acrostic for the word fuel, F-U-E-L, because I've discovered these four things just are fuel that propels me forward in praying. So here's the F. Do you have your pen? Forget about myself. That's the first thing. Forget about myself. The Bible says in Philippians, don't look out only for your interests, but take an interest in others too. See, praying for others is one of the most practical, loving ways that we can take an interest in other people. I have felt so loved by those who have prayed for me. Listen to this quote from Richard Foster. He says, if we truly love people, we will desire for them far more than it is within our power to give them. And this will lead us to prayer. Intercession is a way of loving others. We are shifting our center of gravity from our own needs to the needs and concerns of others. Intercessory prayer is selfless prayer. It's even self-giving prayer. You know, for over 15 years now, there's been a group of women who meet every Friday morning at 7 a.m. at a local coffee shop where they get together, and their purpose is not girl chat time. When they get together, it's to pray for you, for what's going to happen on our campus on Sunday morning. They pray for our pastors, for our pastors' families. They pray for the ministries of our church. And when I have gone and just sat quietly with these women, I have been amazed at their selflessness, how eager they are to hear about the needs and concerns of others and then just launch into prayer. We have 26 people who are on a team that pray for the needs that you write down every week. Some of you pray selflessly day after day, year after year for God's power and blessing on this place. What would have happened if you hadn't done that? Maybe none of us would be on this adventure together that that God has us on here at Twin Cities. Whatever you do, don't stop praying. So that's the first thing that we need to do for fuel to propel us into prayer is to forget ourselves. And here's the second one. The you is unleash the power. Unleash the power. I have a question. What, when do you feel that nudge to pray for someone else? Is it after you've deliberated and you think, oh, wow, this looks like a really big deal. Maybe I should launch a prayer. Or is it when the sky is falling during the crisis? Well, those are surely good times to pray for someone else, to lift them up. But I want to throw out something that has so transformed my prayer life, and it's this awareness, just simply. God's power that is available through me in this moment, right now, no matter what's in front of me. See, we need to unleash that power. The Bible puts it this way, never stop praying. As you walk through life, make it an unceasing habit. Pray for the people you encounter because this is your moment. And then this, and then this. You see, God's power is available right now. It's good for you to pray about the big things or the things way out in the future. You know, I've been praying for years for the future spouses of my kids. But don't discount this moment. God's power is available in this circumstance right in front of you. You might think, 
Kim, you're saying, never stop praying. Like, what am I going to do, you know? Fold my hands and close my eyes and, you know, lift my voice in prayer and beseech God in in, in public? I mean, that could get kind of awkward. Oh, great God of the universe! You know, when we pray, we don't have to close our eyes. I pray all the time when I'm driving. (laughs) We don't have to even say anything out loud. When we pray, we don't have to get all weird about it. Two weeks ago was the Draft Horse Classic, and I took my daughter. We watched those massive, beautiful creatures in the arena. But you know, the bleachers got kind of cold and hard on my backside, so I gave myself a much-needed walk around the fairgrounds, and that's when I ran into a friend who shared with me about a need in her 10-year-old daughter's life. And she and I stood there together as moms, with our eyes open, and we prayed for that girl as she ran around right there on the grass. And you know what? That moment made the whole night for me because no longer was it an evening of entertainment. That was about unleashing power into the life of a little girl whom God loves. I knew it would make a difference. Wherever you go, whomever you meet, unleash the power. God's power is working in your life, and his intention is to use you. It might just be a silent prayer that you just breathe to God. In fact, it's a lot like breathing when you pray all the time, without ceasing, when you never stop praying. You know, if you invest yourself in praying for others, who knows what might happen? You might just discover that God is leading you to become the answer to your own prayer. That's unleashing power. I have some friends, a husband and wife, who aren't sure that they're ever going to be parents, but recently they have invested themselves in praying for a desperate situation in the life of two little girls. And as they have prayed, they have sensed God leading them to get personally involved in this situation, to where now, at least for this part of the journey, these two little girls are living in their own home. They have seen God provide beds and bikes and clothes, all because my friends prayed. They are seeing God's power unleashed in the circumstance right in front of them. You know, I love how Dallas Willard puts it. Listen to what he says. We must accept the circumstance we constantly find ourselves in as the place of God's kingdom and blessing. God has yet to bless anyone except where they are. And if we faithlessly discard situation after situation, moment after moment as not being right, we will simply have no place to receive his kingdom into our life. For those situations and moments are our life. Every circumstance becomes a chance to see God's power unleashed if, when, we pray. His power is available right now. Tony Campolo tells a great story about paying attention and just seeing God's power unleashed right in front of him in that circumstance. Let me share this story with you. He says, several years ago, I was invited to speak at a small Pentecostal college. So before chapel, several faculty guys took me to a side room to pray. I got down on my knees, and they put their hands on my head, asking God to use me effectively as I spoke to the students. 
Now, Pentecostals seem to pray longer than we Baptists do. And they prayed long. And the longer they prayed, the more they leaned on my head. They prayed on and on, and they leaned harder and harder. And one guy prayed about a particular man named Charlie Stolzfus. And that kind of ticked me off, because I thought, if you're going to lean on my head, the least you can do is pray for me. But he prayed on and on about this man who was about to abandon his wife and three children. I can still hear him calling out, Lord, Lord, don't let that man leave his wife and kids. Send an angel to bring him back to his family. Don't let that family be destroyed. You know who I'm talking about. Charlie Stolzfus. You know who I'm talking about. Charlie Stolzfus. He lives down the road about a mile on the right-hand side in a silver house trailer. I was thinking to myself with some degree of exasperation, God knows where he lives. I mean, what, is, what do you think God's doing, sitting up in, up in heaven going, give me that address again? <laughs> Following the talk, I was in my car headed home, getting on the highway, when I see a young man hitchhiking on the side of the road. I picked him up. I know you're not supposed to, but, you know, I'm a Baptist preacher, and whenever I can get someone locked in to where I can <laughs> preach to them, I do it. So as we pulled back on the highway, I introduced myself. I said, hi, I'm Tony Campolo. What's your name? And he says, my name is Charlie Stolzfus. <laughs> I didn't say a word. I drove down to the next exit, turned around, and headed back. He looked at me and said, hey, mister, where are you taking me? And I said, I'm taking you home. And he said, why? And I said, because you just left your wife and three kids, didn't you? And he said, right, right. And he leaned against the passenger door the whole rest of the way, staring at me. I drove off the freeway to a side road straight to his silver house trailer. When I pulled into the drive, he looks at me with astonishment, and he says, how did you know I live here? And I said, God told me. And I believe God did tell me. I think God probably sets up things like this just for fun. Now, Charlie Stolzfus ran into his mobile home ahead of me. I don't know what he said to his wife. But when I got inside, her eyes were as wide as saucers. I sat them both down and I said, I'm going to talk and you're going to listen. And boy, in the next hour did they listen. I was able to lead them both into a personal relationship with Jesus. And today, Charlie Stolzfus is a pastor down south. Isn't that a great story? See, Tony concludes that story by saying, when the Spirit leads, there are all kinds of surprises in store for us. But how did that all start? It was by somebody praying boldly for another who was stumbling. And then Tony paying attention and realizing that God was at work in the circumstance right in front of him. We need to unleash the power within. That's the you. So we said we need to forgive, forget ourselves. We need to unleash the power. And the E of fuel is this. We need to expect results. What kind of person can expect results when they pray? Well, let's think about it. 
Let's consider the prayer. I'm talking about who is praying. The Bible says the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and wonderful results. So whose prayer produces results? Well, it says a righteous person. You might be thinking, well, now all I have to do is find a righteous person, you know, like a monk or a Christian Jedi or something, you know. know, Any one of us might say, God would never listen to my prayers because I'm certainly not righteous. Well, what is it that makes us righteous? Let's look at this verse out of Romans. It says, we are made right in God's sight when we trust in Jesus Christ to take away our sins. What makes us righteous in God's sight? It's certainly not that we do everything right. It says here it's about a relationship. It says that when we put our trust in Christ, he considers it a done deal. He sees us as righteous when we put our faith in him. So if we look back at that verse from James, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power, that's you. That's me. Your prayers produce wonderful results. Your prayers are powerful. Your prayers are effective. But that's just the first part of expecting results. That's about the effectiveness of the prayer who's praying. But I have learned something from two women right here at Twin Cities, women that I pursued, my friends Maxine and Murr. I just had to get with these women because I needed to know why and how they prayed with such power. You see, I learned from these gals how to overcome wimpy praying. It's not that my prayers for others weren't well-intentioned. It's just that I was missing a sense of expectation and anticipation that God would answer. And I learned from Maxine and Murr, it's not just the prayer, it's also the prayer. I'm talking about what we're praying. You see, if I'm going to bother praying, if I want to be able to expect results, wouldn't I want to pray something that God is likely to answer? You talk about fuel for your praying. This is it. In in 1 John, it says this, and we can be confident that he will listen to us whenever we ask him for anything in line with his will. Can you underline that phrase, in line with his will? And if we know he is listening when we make our requests, we can be sure that he will give us what we ask for. That's result. It says, if we ask anything in line with his will, well, how do we do that? I mean, how do you and I know what his will is, what God wants? Well, this is how Jesus says it. But if you stay joined to me and my words remain in you, you may ask any request you like and it will be granted. What a radical promise. It says here we can expect results when we pray his words. See, this is, why, this is why it's so important for you and me to stay in the Bible every day, to be in the Word. This is how you and I can have His words remaining in us, so we'll know what it is He wants us to pray for. Recently, my washing machine wouldn't operate. Now, girls, that's a moment for panic right there, isn't it? But in the display, there were these two little letters. It said D-E. Now, you know, I could have stood there and reasoned with my washing machine. You know, out of my own limited understanding, I could have said uh, D-E. Difficult and expensive. 
Um, disaster expected. Or I could go to the owner's manual, which is what I did, and DE simply meant door error. I hadn't shut the thing correctly. <laughs> now, when we pray, we have to go to the owner's manual, to the one who understands, right? In fact, my friend Murr that I told you about, she actually put together her own research, a list of verses. She calls it God's words. So, and she categorized her little spiral-bound prayer manual so that when she's praying for somebody, you know, for sickness or for depression or for loneliness, she would already be equipped with verses that would relate to that need. So she could be praying God's words for them rather than her own. That's what helps Murr to expect results. A couple weeks ago was the men's retreat, and my husband Ron was asked to speak to the men. Now, he had a lot going on for him that weekend, more than normal, so he asked me if I would pray for him. Now, I could have prayed whatever came to my mind. You know, God bless him. God be with him. But why would I pray for something that's already a fact? You see, my prayers, if they're just conjured up in my own head, are just a jumble of words. But... I could pray with expectation if I went to the manual. So I opened up to Colossians 4. I said, God, give Ron many opportunities to speak about your mysterious plan concerning Christ. I pray that Ron will speak clearly. I pray that Ron will make the most of every opportunity. And then I turned to Deuteronomy. I love this one. God, I pray that Ron will carefully obey you so that you will make him the head and not the tail. I pray that he will always be on top and never at the bottom. I didn't come up with those words to pray. That was right here in the manual. If you want to pray with a sense of expectancy, go to the owner's manual. We have given you a resource this morning that will help you to do that when you're praying for your kids. Okay? It's, it's in this little gray section. It says praying for your children. This will help you if you're praying for your own kids, your grandkids, or the, the kids of some of your friends, whoever it is. Because you see, we can pray for our kids to get rocked by who God is. I mean, that's worth more than any lecture we could ever give them, right? So I would suggest that you take this and maybe just put it in your Bible or put it on your nightstand, wherever you do your praying. So that when you pray for that child, you'll be praying God's words rather than your own. Well, lastly today, let's talk about the L of fuel. We're going to forget about ourselves, unleash the power, expect results, and lastly, the L is let go and let God. I borrowed this motto out of the recovery program because what I am not saying today is that prayer is a magic wand and that I can control the outcome with my prayers. In fact, while I've been talking, many of you may have thought of somebody that you prayed for and you haven't seen your prayers answered the way that you prayed or, or on your time frame. What I am saying is that I'd rather go through it all, limping on the track of life with people around me praying than without them. Because you see, people who pray are a channel of divine power. They, they bring a touch of God into my life right in the middle of that challenge. 
think with me about how Jesus talked to Simon Peter just before Peter went through his big failure and denied he even knew Christ. You remember this moment? This is what Jesus said. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to have all of you, to sift you like wheat. But I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen and build up your brothers. Now, I want you to think about this relationship between Jesus and Simon Peter. I mean, Think of all Jesus had invested in this salty, hot-headed fisherman. How much progress he had made. Don't you think that Christ earnestly longed to see Peter come out right in this time of testing that was ahead for him? But what did Jesus do? Jesus prayed for Peter, and then he let go. He left Peter free to succeed or to fail in the eyes of God and man, in, in the course of all of human history to know about it. Jesus let go. He didn't try to fix Peter. He didn't pressure him. He didn't use shame or pearls of wisdom on Peter. I mean, he could have just supernaturally rewired Peter's brain right then. But he didn't do that. Because that wouldn't advance Peter toward being the person that he needed to become. Christ let go. And if even Jesus let go when he prayed, then you and I, we need to let go and let God. We need to let go of how he chooses to answer our prayers. Well, now we've talked about four things. Forget about ourselves, unleash the power, expect results, let go and let God. And you know, I have a a friend who is shown to me that he's interested in all four of these things, their goals for his prayer life. His name is Jeff. He is a husband. He's a father of six. He's an attorney, and he's very active in leading others into prayer. So would you welcome Jeff with me? Morning, y'all. You are busy, Jeff. Can you tell us what ministries you serve in here at Twin Cities? Well, I'm pleased to be serving uh, as a leader in community group a storyteller for our children's ministry, and our prayer team. Okay, so you are an attorney, and you're a storyteller for our kids. You like to talk. Yes, (laughs) ma'am. And since it's third service, I have a story. (laughs) Go for it. Um, This morning at about 7.57, I got a text from my wife, who was with my three daughters, and my mom, who's visiting from Virginia. So I sent up prayers, and I said, Oh, Lord, let them find the key that they can't find for the car. And uh, about the middle of the second service, we finally figured out that last night I'd left it in the mailbox about a mile and a half from the house. So um, we've talked a little bit about intercession, and so i got to go home after this, so you all can pray for me for those types of things, since I obviously wasn't praying without ceasing last night when I didn't take the key out of the mailbox, so anyway. Yikes! (laughs) Whoa, Jeff. Well, in our prayer ministry, you've had the chance to sit up and take notice how God really does answer prayers. So would, would you like to share any particulars? Yes, Kim. Right over there, we pray for people every Sunday that come up uh, for prayer at our prayer corner right there. So it's a wonderful thing, and yes, God really does answer prayers over there. 
And I will recall with you last year when we were praying, all of us, for Ron, Pastor Ron, when he was battling Hep C. As part of the community group with Ron and Kim, we decided to corporately pray at 8 o'clock every Sunday morning here at the church for healing for about six months. Now just rest for a minute with me and remember how we felt that Easter morn when Pastor Ron came and said he was completely healed and Kim was healed at the same time from Lyme's disease. Celebrate with me again. It is, it is good and we praise God and we thank God because it's a miracle we shared through prayer. It's a celebration. And you know, Ron and I, we felt so loved by your prayers, and we just thank every one of you who joined in on praying. God really did show up for our family. And now, Jeff, I have seen in you, as I've gotten to know you, a fervor about prayer. And I just want to know, what is driving you to, in, in this pursuit of prayer? Really, it's probably, for the most part, God's answers and miracles in prayer, and mostly despite me. It led me a little bit, this desire for fervent prayer, to go to several churches in our country and ask and see what they were doing about prayer. And they said every time that it was foundational, prayer was foundational to their church, and they incorporated it throughout the fabric of their ministries. So if the true bottom line to the mystery of faith or to the mystery of prayer is that God desires us to pray with him and that he answers prayer, why do we not, all of us, wholeheartedly sell out to that mandate to pray without ceasing? Mm -hmm. You know, I am aware of a, of a story you have, a per, very personal experience in prayer. I just wondered if you would share that with us. Well, yes, it's a story about my son Ben, who's now 24. Uh, he was a wonderful son. Uh, he was um, very obedient. He loved Jesus. And he was my beautiful boy growing up. And when he was 17 years old, he had a surgery for sports, and he was going through a very painful divorce of his parents, and he got hooked on OxyContin. And um, the OxyContin habit uh, ended up destroying his scholarship with UC Berkeley. He went to Southern California to rehab. And in Southern California, he was seemingly doing very well, and he was waiting for that second chance to go to college at UC Irvine to play his favorite sport, which was soccer. Well, one night at 3 a.m., God woke me from sleep with a great urge to pray. It was overwhelming, and it was really a pleading prayer for Ben's life. I couldn't get Ben until the next evening, and he told me at that time, Dad, I overdosed on a speedball last night, which is heroin and cocaine. He convulsed, he passed out, and he almost died at 3 a.m. Mm -hmm. So at that time, I knew that I knew that God desires our prayer, and he has his way of answering it. Yeah. Well, Jeff, what was it like for you as a dad to be so engaged in the struggle on Ben's behalf? Well, I wish I could say that the struggle was over with a kumbaya that moment. But Oxy turned into a strong heroin addiction. And uh, he is now serving the last of six years in prison. So prayer continued, and I was joined in prayer for Ben by many. And 
God is very faithful, as he promises, and uh, he has stopped Ben's addiction one way or another. But in the most difficult circumstances, Ben has become a man of God. Uh, to, to be able to state to you the faith and trust I see in him with Jesus now is beyond words. I cannot do it. But I do see the miracle work of God through prayer in him. Thanks for sharing about Ben. You know, Jeff, I'm really excited about the new momentum in our prayer ministry here. In fact, today in our program, we're all, we've all been given this, this card that says Prayer Connection Opportunities. It's going to help all of us to take the next step. You know, here at Twin Cities, we're all about taking the next step in our journey. And I just want to know, Jeff, what excites you the most about our church's opportunity? Well, this prayer series feels like a real launching pad to me for all of us. I'm hopeful that you will be challenged with me to dig deep and increase our individual prayer time. And also, as a group at Twin Cities, I hope our corporate prayer increases. The life we have in that increases over this next year, and I know it will with all of us praying. Now, let's do that thing and get radical. I've heard it today, and let's get radical about prayer. And if you do get a nudge to sign up and, and fill out that card or whatever, I can promise you that we will find a place for you to serve. Two things. Number one, if you serve, you will get so much more out of praying for people than you could ever imagine. It's beyond any understanding except through God. And secondly, the scripture does tell us the prayer of a righteous person is powerful. So let's pray here with power. Yes. Thank you, Jeff. Everybody thank Jeff with me. Thank you. Hey, you guys. Yesterday was Jeff's birthday. Can you say happy birthday, Jeff? Happy birthday, Jeff. Yeah. And I know many of you will want to join with us in praying for his son, Ben. Well, you know, I have two ways I want to suggest to you, my friends, that you can activate your prayer life today. The first is to make a list of people that you know need prayer. I want to invite you to be intentional about that and be specific. And if you want to take it to the next level, you might want to even write down that verse that God shows you. You can pray for that person. If you wonder, how do I find that verse? You might look in the back of your Bible at what's called a concordance. Sometimes that'll help you find something topically. Or you can look on BibleGateway.com. I love that resource. Or you could buy a book of Bible Promises. But whatever you do, make a list of the people who need your prayers. And then secondly, make a record of how those prayers get answered. Because God will answer your prayers. You know, I want to give everybody a living proof right now that God will answer your prayers. Wherever you are in this room right now, if you have ever sensed that your situation changed because somebody prayed for you and you know that God answered. Right now, would you just be bold and lift your hand? Does everybody see this? God answers. Your prayers make a difference. Thank you for sharing that. You know, it's the dream of those who lead this church that Twin Cities will become more and more a praying church, that it will just become so normal, that it will just be a reflexive action when we are together, that we stop and we pray for one another whether we're on the phone or we see each other before or after services or whatever, 
we just see it as becoming a reality that we can stop and lift each other up in encouragement through prayer. We mentioned that prayer connection card. If you would go ahead and get that out right now, I'd be so grateful. It gives you four ways that you could jump in and get involved in our growing prayer ministry. Very simple ways. One, you could become a typist of the, all the prayer needs that are shared here on Sunday morning. Or you could be part of the team that prays for those needs. You could be a part of a team that gets together every Sunday morning here to pray. Or you could even be on a team that prays for our special events. If you choose to check a box this morning, all you're doing is saying that I want more information. You're not committing yourself yet. Now, whatever you choose to do, let me just say, I want to invite you to take the next step on your own personal journey with Christ. Get involved. Come around someone else. Be that arm that lifts them up. Let God use you by praying for others. In fact, let's do that right now. Would you bow your head and let's pray together. Right now, you may know of someone who needs your prayers. It may be somebody that you know personally. Maybe a family member or a coworker or a friend. Or it may be somebody you don't even know through the media. Maybe somebody you've heard of who is suffering in the far parts of the world. Right now, in the quietness of this moment, will you just pray for that person? Lord, we lift these people to you. And right now, while our heads are still bowed, I'm going to do something a little unusual. If you know that you are the person who is limping on the track today, and you would like us to come alongside you and pray for you, I'm not going to ask you to stand or write your name down or get in a group or anything like that. I just want to ask you, if you would like us to pray for you this morning, if you would just quietly right now lift your hand. Nobody's going to see you. I'm the only one looking. Okay, right now, we're, we're just going to pray. God, we thank you that you see these people who lifted their hand. Lord, you see every one of them. You know how they are hurt, how they are limping. We don't know, but you do. And we don't understand prayer. It's a mystery. We don't even know why you would involve us. But God, you've told us to bring these needs to you. And we just pray that you come alongside them right now, that you would help them in the area where they are weak. God, you understand the source of their pain, and you know what you want to do through it. You've told us that our prayers are effective. So right now we lift these people to you, and we pray most of all that they might hear the voice of Jesus speaking to them and saying, I am right here. We pray that you would help them to see big changes in the situation they face. And God, that for each person who lifted their hand, that they would invite you to be their Savior, that they would know you as their Lord. And we pray this in the strong name of Christ who lifts us up. Amen.